Today's scripture comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, and also Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in the office at the time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Armenian was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power, and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God God has given to you and to your house. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love a Sunday of baptism. What a joy when someone comes before the church and says, these are the people beside whom I want to grow in my faith. These are the people we will trust to show our daughter what it looks like to have faith and to be a disciple that not only we will show her as our parents, but we will show her as our Sunday school teachers, VBS, uh, and the way we greet each other in the hallways even. This with our whole lives that we show someone else what it looks like to be a disciple. Welcome, Michael and Chelsea and Lily and your family. We are wrapping up a sermon series today that has a lot to do with baptism, (laughs) with how we live that out, not only for Lily, but how we've lived that out in our whole lives with one another. We are wrapping up this sermon series that we've called Commitments That Will Change Your Life. Each week we have been hearing stories firsthand 
from people who have made commitments to the five aspects of discipleship that we've been lifting up, worship, prayer, missions, uh, Bible study in small groups and giving, giving of our time and giving of our gifts. And each week those persons have shared with us how God has grown them by being committed to these aspects of discipleship. Each week, we've also unpacked scriptures around these aspects of discipleship and how it is that God invites us through the word to delve more deeply into what it is to be a disciple. Today, we put it all together and we talk about what it means to give to God our lives and how will God use us when what we offer to God is our very selves. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, we pray first this day for Michael and Chelsea and Lily. We pray for Michael and Chelsea as parents. We pray for Lily as she grows up and learns what it is to be a disciple by watching her parents and by watching her church. Lord, we pray blessings upon them and their family that they would experience your grace and love in an incredible way this day as we mark how your grace and love have already claimed Lily and already mark the way that she moves and lives in this world. Lord, may we be faithful to living out our faith, not only for Lily, but for one another, for this community and for you. And Lord, this day, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts, Be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our savior, and our refuge. Amen. When my nephew was in kindergarten, his class won a reward for their excellent behavior. The reward that they won was a snack and dance party called Dance Your Socks Off. And the teacher scheduled it for a Friday afternoon at the end of a grading period. The teacher invited parents to come and assist, and so my sister signed up to help. So she arrived at the classroom that day, and she said it was a sight. All of the children except one were dancing, much like the children in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know, when they're all dancing as Schroeder is playing this song. Well... There was the single exception in the middle of the classroom, and my sister said that was her son. And what he was doing, she described as flailing about wildly to the music and oddly not wearing his shoes. She said it was as if all of the dance styles of all of the children in the Charlie Brown Christmas special had been rolled together into one And he danced with such gusto, she did not know he had it in him. The teacher whispered to her, he's been dancing like that since the music started. My sister watched as he was all in, committed, dancing with his head, his hands, his feet, and his stomach. All of him committed to the music. And at the end of the party, she said he looked a little sad, but he pulled his socks back up, he put on his shoes and walked out to the minivan with her. And on the way home, 
He said, I tried, Mom, but I couldn't do it. She said, couldn't do what? He replied, dance my socks off. (laughs) That was the name of the party, Mom. Isn't that what we were supposed to do? She smiled all the way home and thought, my literal, literal child. And she said, wasn't it incredible? He's like the poster child for commitment, whether they were learning to read or whether they were going to a party called Dance Your Socks Off. I wish that I could live for God with half as much gusto as my nephew was dancing that day. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he was writing to the Romans in that letter. Paul writes, We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And an all-in, full-bodied, nothing-held-back commitment to God. In this 12th chapter of the letter to the Romans, Paul uses this interesting turn of phrase. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That phrase is built on centuries of tradition. What does it mean? Paul is using language and imagery that it would have been familiar to those who first received the letter in the first century. He turns that common imagery, though, in this new way. For hundreds of years, the ancient faith community presented sacrifices to God in the form of produce from the ground and animals whose lives ended in that offering. A goat, a lamb, a couple of birds, crops of the fields like barley and grain were given as sacrifices in this old ritual of worship. Sacrifices for forgiveness, atonement, thanksgiving, devotion, and a tangible practice of commitment to God. From where does that practice come? Deuteronomy 26 gives us an example, what Chrissy read for us today. That once the Israelites settled in a new land, they were to establish a practice of gratitude to God, a thanksgiving. They were to give the first fruits of their crops as an offering or sacrifice. Deuteronomy 14.22 describes the annual tithe offering. Here in chapter 26, it is an additional special offering taken every three years to benefit those in need in the midst of their community, the foreigners, the widows, the orphans, and more. And so they put produce from the crops in a basket and brought those baskets to the priests where they were gathered for worship. The priests would take the baskets and put them down in front of the altar and the people would start to tell their stories. They would tell the stories of how God had been faithful to them generation after generation. The story in Deuteronomy 26 goes all the way back to Jacob. When Jacob was wandering and destitute and how God had blessed the people from then on and on in generations until now. With this ritual of offering and story, they affirm that their very lives are a blessing from God and all that is within it and that it's not of their own bootstrap making. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, in commenting on this 
passage writes that whatever blessings we receive from God, this text reminds us to trace the source and the streams of those blessings back to God always and not ourselves. When I read the passage from Deuteronomy, I like to picture the people standing there shoulder to shoulder holding their baskets, telling the stories of their lives. It's a beautiful picture of gratitude. And with Thanksgiving celebration just a few days from now, it's a wonderful reminder to present to God our gifts and tell the stories of our lives again and again and God's blessing and presence and love within them. May we center our lives in similar ways on gratitude to God, lest we forget the source, the streams of our blessings. Well, in Romans 12, Paul turns this ancient ritual of worship in a new direction and says that now the sacrifice that we offer at the altar is not grain, not an animal's body, but our human bodies very much alive. An ongoing, living, daily sacrifice offered to God through the way we live and who we are. Our words, our actions, our interactions, our character, our thoughts, our attitude, our social media posts, our daily living. Paul urges that we do this. Why? Paul says because of everything he said in the first 11 chapters of the letter to the Romans, that based on all that God has done for us in Jesus, on the cross, in forgiveness, offering us new life and wholeness, Paul writes now, therefore, out of response to all that, what we give to God is a life, a life. A whole life. All in, dedicated, committed to God. Holding nothing back. Living for God so much that our socks start to work their way off. Paul describes then what a life like this would look like. In the next verses and chapters that follow, he says it's not one that's haughty or criticizing or judgmental. It is one of humility and love, working together with our different baskets and stories and gifts. I remember studying Romans for the first time in depth when I was in high school. And our church that we attended at the time, the pastor encouraged all of us, challenged us to memorize Romans 12, 1 through 2, which we did and I practiced hard all week so that when we went back the next Sunday we could recite it. And those verses have stayed with me ever since. And that night, I remember writing in my journal, drawing in my journal, the way I wanted to sum up the verse. And so I drew an offering plate with me sitting inside it with my feet dangling over the edge. So that's the point of the passage, right? We are to metaphorically put ourselves in the offering basket, just crawl or climb right in there with our whole lives, our whole 
person inside the basket with our feet dangling over the edge. What if we lived like that? Aware, conscious that our lives are meant to be lived as a gift given back to God. If we did that, we're going to need bigger baskets. Thanks be to God for that. But of course, when Paul was writing, he didn't mean that we would literally crawl into the offering basket. What he meant was that we would be walking around in Stafford, in Fredericksburg, at Quantico, at the Pentagon, in our businesses, at school, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our homes, wherever we are, we would be walking, living, breathing, sacrifices, wherever it is that we live. That our lives would be a gift given to God. Paul says with that we're not to conform to the world, but be different. Be different how? In the verses that follow, he talks about living a life of caring and kindness in a world that seems to forget how much it used to value that. It means a life in which we build a bridge to people with whom we disagree in a world that seems to want to keep us divided. It means that it's a life that looks like humility in a world that seems to value unthinking pride. Here are some real-life examples of people who embody living as a sacrifice. Pastor Jeff is one of them. And he gave me permission to tell this story today. It's an incredible story about his father and the way they did business. Pastor Jeff was blessed to grow up on an apple farm, a large one, and they would give the first fruits of the season every year as a tithe, 10% to God. Literally, they grew 26 different varieties of apples and would take the first apples of the season, pick them, place them in a bin, put them through the apple grading machine to be washed, polished, and sorted by size. Then they would take those apples, about 18 bushels worth, some 900 pounds, and not use them for personal profit, but they would deliver them to the food banks and food pantries in the community so that they could help feed someone else. A friend of mine works in medical care, and she takes one week of her vacation every year and goes on an international medical mission trip to provide health care to persons who would otherwise not have it. Another friend of mine says she makes a point to buy the gifts for the angel tree, like we have here, Every year, the first gifts they buy at Christmas, the first gifts they wrap, and then they keep track of all the money they're spending on the gifts they give to each other, and they make a point to spend that same amount of money in missions in the coming year. What else does it look like? It looks like helping with the Brisbane shelter. It looks like helping with the cold weather shelter in our area and Stafford Food Security and teaching Sunday school, Kids Rock, being a small group leader in student ministry, being part of a small group, volunteering at the connections desk, being part of the tech team, playing an instrument in our praise band, helping out in the church office, and so much more. 
Another friend of mine said that what matters to him is that he's decided he wants God involved in the nitty-gritty details of how he lives his life every day. And so at the beginning of the day, he prays that God would help to make him more like Jesus and how he drives, how he parents his sons, and how he interacts with a cashier, and how he speaks with a restaurant server, and how he talks to people at work. He said, I want there to be more and more of Christ and less of me and who I am every single day. And it's a project, he says, but I'm growing by the grace of God. And here's another example from persons in our own church. We went to their house and interviewed them, and they happened to be with us this morning, but they've shared with us what it means to them to live and give their whole life to God as a gift. Let's hear their story. I can't remember a time when I didn't know God or know about God. But I do remember... uh, thinking that I didn't really know him. And then uh, after I came to Ebenezer, I started growing in my faith. And that was 45 years ago, probably 46, a long time ago. We got involved in ministry right away. But the thing that really, I think my growth and my commitment to God was a gradual thing. A lot of people will get smacked with it and and that's it, but that didn't happen to me. Mine has taken probably all my life to develop. And uh, I knew God, I knew about Him, I didn't know Him. And then uh, after attending a retreat at Ebenezer, I realized that I had been being good all my life because I knew about God and I'd been taught about God but and I thought that I was probably fine you know in my relationship with God but I didn't really understand that I needed Jesus that I needed to be saved from my sin just like everybody else that I wasn't good enough nobody's good enough without what Christ sacrificed on the cross to make them uh, sin free I'm a very committed person and when I make decisions, I, it's a commitment for me. And I felt that if I made a commitment to accept Christ, I'd be in trouble the same day. Because I had stuff in my life <laughs> that didn't belong in my life, you know. And, uh, but uh, the Holy Spirit assured me that things were going to be all right and, and led me. You know, I said a scene of prayer and I accepted Christ into my heart. And that's how that was in... 1979, I guess. So, uh, Brenda and I have been married uh, since I was 23, so that was... 21. 12, 21, okay. (laughs) That was what, 18 years? Yeah. So, I've been living with this woman for 18 years, and I finally accepted Christ into my heart. And uh, that's probably one of the biggest changes that ever happened in my life. Spending the time uh, with God, making that a priority, not just a few minutes on Sunday, but making it a daily part of your life, and uh, 
taking the time to uh, listen to God, uh, to spend time in His Word so He can speak to you because His Word is alive, and also to uh, spend time worshiping. We serve such an awesome God. And I think uh, the most important part for me is letting him know how awesome he is and loving him because of how much he loves us. For me, uh, prayer has been a lifelong experience, you know, to learn to to pray for other people was a difficult thing because time I had a busy schedule. I, you know, I worked in Washington, D.C., so I spent an hour to, to an hour and a half, sometimes two hours in the morning to get to D.C., and an hour to get home, or an hour and a half to get home. So it was a long day, and uh, you're tired. Uh, and it took me a long while before I really started taking time, and more teaching before I started taking time in the morning. Anyhow, I got to a point where uh, I spent every every morning, I would spend 15 or 20 minutes, I'd read the Bible and I'd pray. And as I did that, as I grew in that, my prayer list kept getting longer and longer. I have found that he has changed everything about our lives, that it has come to the point in our lives where it's just not church. But it's everything we do, and it's and it includes our families, yeah. and it includes our children, and it includes our foster children, and it includes everything. So, so the Lord has done something so powerful in our lives that we want to walk every minute of our lives close to the Lord, not just uh, when we go to church or when we're around other people, but but just because we love Jesus and because we want everything about our lives to reflect the fact that we love Jesus and that we want everyone to see and know how much we love Jesus and we want them to know Jesus like that too. We want to do whatever we can, wherever we are, with whoever and whatever, in such a way that, that they will too uh, come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they'll, they'll worship Him and uh, They'll want to dedicate their lives and they'll want to grow in their relationship with God. I mean, it's a lifetime uh, commitment, I, I think, that you made to learn more and more and more about Jesus, to come to the point where you have a personal love relationship with Him that's just deep and uh, better than anything that could ever happen to you. Thank you, Jim and Brenda, for sharing your story with us this morning. Thank you for the beauty of your faith. I love how they say it's not just church. It is a desire to live our lives in a way that everything we do in our lives would reflect the fact that we love Jesus and that we want other people to see that too and how we love them, and in how we show them God's love, that they might come to know that love too. It's a commitment, a full-on, 
wholehearted commitment. And being a living offering doesn't have to be complicated. So we give ourselves to God from the time we're baptized. And uh, I grew up climbing trees as a little girl, making up songs and singing them to God at the top of my lungs. And when I die, I hope I'm still doing the same thing. Maybe not climbing the trees, but still singing songs to God with my life. It's like living that all-in, full-fledged commitment, right? Nothing held back, head, hands, feet, stomach, and more. Living for God so much that our socks start to work their way off. May we be all in for God. Amen.